going to start in Genesis 1-1 today. <clears throat> this verse has been on my mind for about a month and a half. In the simplicity of it, in the clarity of it. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth, period. There's a period there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's pray one more time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God, for what you're doing in this place today. God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, you have a special plan and a special purpose on each and every one of their lives. God, I pray that today, that a word would be spoken, Lord, that they would be able to take home with them, God, that they would be able to receive it. God, I pray that every single heart and mind and ear is open unto you today, God, to hear your word. God, that I'm not just up here spitting my personal opinions, God, that I'm not just up here talking, but that I would be sharing your word and ministering to the needs of somebody. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you, Sister Julia. You may be seated. We started a series two weeks ago on the attributes of God. And the, the theme, our theme has been, we love God because of who he is, not just because of what he does. Because when you tie your love to who he is at his core, and you understand that who he is, then that love will always last. But if your love is contingent on what he's doing for you, if you only love him when he's giving you money, if you only love him when life's going good, then that love stops when life goes bad. And so the central theme as we're going through these attributes is for us to dial in and focus in on who God is. Because we love God because of who he is, not just because of what he does. The first attribute that we talked about was being holy. Does anybody remember what the word holy means? Separate, set apart, sanctified. It's separation. Being holy means not being mixed with the things of this world. We're called to be separate from the things of this world, not to be mixed together, not to partake in all of the worldly affairs, not to tie ourselves down with the things that go on in this world, but for us to hold ourselves out separate and sanctified to God. And it's easy to say that you're going to do that when you're sitting in church or in the altar and you've heard a good message and you give your life to God or you're in a moment of prayer and you're like, okay, God, we're going to do this. But then once you get home, you get into your day, your opinions change, your feelings change, your convictions change, and you start justifying things. So it's much easier to say you're going to live holy than to actually do it. And we came together with this formula from 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, that we were talked about building this wall or this hedge of protection to protect you from falling, it's to live a fall-proof life. So it starts with your faith. 
And then you add to your faith holiness, even when no one is looking. So you continue living holy, not just as an example, not just because you're afraid of what somebody's going to say when they see you, but you live holy and separate because God is watching. Then you add unto that more studying to better understand who God is, reading his word. And then you add to that an exercise of self-control and discipline over the things you can control and patience over the things you can't. And the last building block there is to love people, to live your life in a way that is centered around the love for the people around you. The second attribute that we're going to be focusing on today is God's creative power. God is the creator that made something from nothing. So the three points that I really want to bring out today is that God is the creator that made something from nothing. He doesn't always just make something from nothing at our will, but that doesn't mean that he's not the creator. When you look at Genesis 1.1, this verse just summarizes everything so concisely. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. To a lay person, that period just symbolizes the end of a statement or the end of a sentence. Or, as the young people like to say, period, or that's facts. They use it to emphasize that what was just said, just, just as it only uses it. They say period like an exclamation mark. Or if you're an English major, it is a symbol to denote the end of a declarative statement. But a, a period is, is just capitalizing on that very simple point that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I had a realization a couple weeks ago about when God created the heaven and the earth and he created light. It's the first thing he created. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I've always imagined that this light was just like a light switch comes on. All of a sudden, there's just light. It's just there. But I, I saw it or thought of it in a different way a couple weeks ago. That when you have a massive, un, or, or a massive uncontrolled release of energy, a firecracker, it's a light. When God set the world into motion, the very first thing he did was create light, set light into motion, a giant burst of energy, a big bang. Modern science has done all of the research in trying to disprove God and said our origin was a big bang. Modern science has concluded through independent study that our entire universe originated with light. Modern scientists are getting cocky that they can, and they've created a more advanced version of AI, 
And they think that they can create anything that God can create. And they're trying to play God. I threw a prompt into an AI module yesterday called ChatGPT. And I just wrote, write me a message about the creative power of the God of the Jews. Just threw that on the internet. And faster than I could write my prompt, because it took me a second to type in my prompt, I got a very long response that I'm going to read to you. <clears throat> Today I want to share with you a captivating and awe-inspiring topic. The creative power of the God of the Jews. The Jewish conception of God as portrayed in their sacred texts and religious teachings is one that commands immense reverence and admiration due to its profound creative abilities. In the Hebrew Bible, we encounter a depiction of God as the ultimate source of all existence. The book of Genesis in particular narrates the magnificence of creation in its opening verse. In the beginning, God brings forth the universe and all that it contains, light, darkness, heavens, earth, seas, and every living creature. This act of creation is not merely a display of power, but a manifestation of divine artistry. As each element is intricately woven together to form a harmonious and intricate tapestry. The Jewish God's creative power extends beyond the physical realm into the realm of humanity itself. One of the most profound expressions of this power of the creation of humanity in the image of God. This concept imbues every individual with inherent dignity and worth, promoting the idea that each person possesses a spark of creativity within them. Thus, the act of creation becomes an ongoing process in which human beings are called to be creators also, using their talents and, and abilities to bring about goodness, justice, and beauty in this world. Throughout the Jewish scriptures, we witness God's creative force, not only in the grandeur of creation, but also in the way of divine inspiration has shaped the destination of nations and individuals. The prophets, chosen vessels of God, were inspired to share a powerful message, laying the foundations for ethics, morality, and justice. The psalms, an outpouring of human emotion directed towards the divine, are themselves a testament to the creative power of faith and spirituality. Furthermore, Jewish tradition teaches that God continues to create and sustain the world in every moment. The notion of continuous creation invites believers to find a beauty and holiness in everyday life. Seeing the divine presence in the smallest of details, that concept encourages a profound appreciation for the world and a responsibility to protect and preserve its sanctity. The creative power of the God of the Jews extends beyond the bounds of religious texts and theological discussions. It permeates the very essence of Jewish culture and heritage inspiring a rich tradition of storytelling, music, art, and craftsmanship. Throughout history, Jewish artists, writers, and thinkers have drawn upon their faith to produce works that resonate deeply with the human spirit, igniting a sense of wonder and connection to the divine source. In conclusion, the creative power of the God of the Jews is a wondrous and boundless force that transcends time and space. It serves as a reminder of the potential and creativity and imagination within each and every one of us and calls us to seek inspiration from the creator to shape a more compassionate, just, and beautiful world. May you find inspiration in the divine creation that surrounds us and may it ignite a spark of creativity within your own heart. So all of that came from a simple prompt that I threw into a computer. And as eloquent as all of that synopsis is, it was just written by a computer. 
man is trying to out-create God. Man is trying to mimic God's creative power. But man will never be able to attain to God's creative power. There's a joke about some scientists that told God that science has gotten so advanced that they can create anything that he created. So as the joke goes, God reaches down and he grabs a handful of dirt and he made a flower. Beautiful flower. Do you like flowers, Nora? He made a flower. And these scientists said, well, we can do that in our lab. So they grabbed a handful of dirt, started headed back to the lab, and God said, hold up. You got to get your own dirt. <laughs> we think of something as dirt as being such a simple building block. And yet God also created the building block. God's creative power, and I've said this a couple times recently, but, but it still just blows my mind when I think about it. God's creative power extends so far that he created himself. Nobody, nobody's tried to come up with that kind of story in Hollywood. I'm going to go back to Genesis 1. We're going to read, we're going to read all of chapter 1, and we're going to look, through, look at the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. It's the first day of creation. God separated light and darkness. Continuing to verse 6, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. This is just some science for you. But if you were to take a water canopy and you surround the entire planet, you end up with a, with a greenhouse effect on Earth. But the entire Earth is pr protected from, um, I, I guess you get the greenhouse effect, but you also get the water protects the UV rays from the sun and prevents the damage that it does to Earth, but it also reflects back some of that heat. But then you also get this greenhouse effect where all of our oxygen is being contained. And you end up with a planet that kind of lives in the tropical climate. You get this higher oxygen content in the environment, which leads to longer life. Plants growing larger, animals growing larger. Kind of like the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are said to have had nostrils the size of a horse nostril. Big old dinosaurs, nostrils only the size of a horse nostril. And the reason why he can breathe is because of the oxygen content in the air was so much higher pre-flood. So water's in the firmament, and it's rained during the flood.
Uh, on the third day of creation, picking up here in verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and he gathered together the waters called the seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit trees yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is of itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, and the trees yielded, yielding fruit whose seeds were in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So the third day of creation, God separates the waters from the land and then created the plants, grass, and trees. The first three days of creation was separation. The first, day of cre the first three days of creation was God creating separation. And I'm not going to write an entire doctrine around that passage because there's enough other scriptures about God's love for separation. But this is a gentle nod back to God loves separation. Picking up again now in verse 14. And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, and the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So the fourth day of creation, God, set, God created the sun, moon, and the stars. And then, like I said in verse 14 there, God said, Let the light of the heavens be divided the day from the night. Let it be for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. So we can look to our constellations or the sunrise, the sunset, to measure how long a day is or a year is. That was right in God's original plan. Uh Picking up here in verse 20. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life. Fowls may fly above the earth in the open ferment of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth. In the evening, in the morning, or the fifth day. So on the fifth day, birds of the air, fish of the sea. And then we get to the sixth day, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after his kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth out of the earth. Man was not created to be another mammal. Man was created to have dominion and stewardship over the planet. 
I'm not, I'm not an environmentalist. I'm not teaching triaging. But we are to be good stewards of the planet. It is here as a resource to be used, but we are also to take care of it. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree which in every tree in which the fruit of the tree yield the seed to you, it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth on the earth where there is life, I've given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So the first day of creation, separation of light and darkness. Second day of creation, separated the waters from the waters. Third day of creation, he separated the waters from the land and created plants, grass, seeds, trees. The fourth day was the sun, moon, and the stars. The fifth day was the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And the sixth day were mammals and humans. He started with absolutely nothing. We're going we're gonna to do an exercise. Everybody stand. We're going to sing the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. Julia. I told Julia I was going to start with it, and I threw her off when I told her to sit down. But we're going to do we're going to do the motions to the song. You can help us sing, Katie. Sure. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole. got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. We're two sisters this time. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole Sister, in his hands he's got you and me, sister. In his hands he's got you and me, sister. In his hands he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little babies. In his hands he's got all the little babies. In his hands he's got all the little babies. In his hands he's got the whole world in his hands. Got the rain and rain and shine, rain and clouds. He's got rain and clouds in his hands. He's got the rain and the clouds in his hands. He's got the rain and the clouds in his hands. He's got the rain and the clouds in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Okay, you can sit back down. Just had to mix it up a little bit today. He's got the whole world. In his hands. He created everything. Yeah. 
He has the power to create something from nothing. Some other examples where we see this in the Bible is the widow that fed Elijah the last of her food. And after feeding Elijah, every time she went to make some more bread, just a little bit of flour left. And every time she went to make another loaf of bread, just a little bit of flour left. She makes some more bread, a little bit of flour left. God provided for her miraculously. You look at the story of the paralytic that was lowered down through the ceiling when Jesus was teaching. God created strength in that paralytic's legs. God can create something from nothing. He has the whole world in his hands. He created eyeballs out of spit mud. The blind man comes to him and he just spits in the mud, makes a mud ball. You got to be real, real feeling led of the spirit to do that to somebody. <laughs> reminds, me of the, reminds me of the guy that came forward at church. He's a, he's a preacher. I need prayer for my hearing. So the preacher puts his hand on one ear and his hand on the other ear. Starts praying for the guy's hearing. He goes, how is it now? He says, I don't know. It's not till Tuesday at the courthouse. (laughs) God has the power to create something from nothing. God has the power to make this world do what he needs it to do. But he doesn't always do it. And just because he's not doing things the way that we think he should do it doesn't mean that he's wrong. The book of Proverbs tells us every man's right in his own eyes. And it's obvious because I've never thought, here, this is the third best option. That's the one I think is best. No, you don't don't do that. Obviously, you're going to think that you're right. And we look at the world and we look at the way God does things. And it's so easy to question, well, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? God, I'm broke. I got to go buy a lottery ticket. It's, it's easy for our faith to waver. It's easy for me. We, we all do it. But you've got to bring yourself back to trusting that God, the creator of the universe, has the whole world in his hands. You look at the story of Noah. God didn't just start creating again. He let the process happen. Noah had to clean up for a mess that the world had made. You look at the story of Job. In Job's eyes, all Job saw was destruction after destruction after destruction after destruction. And in that moment, Job loses all of his kids loses his house, loses his cattle, loses his sheep. He's losing everything close to him. And the, and the one thing that you can always rely on, relationships, his wife turns on him and his friends turn on him. He's got nothing. And it's so easy when you're going through a difficult time, when you're losing stuff, when your life's falling apart, 
Yo, God, are you sure you've got everything under control? I know we sang that song in Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. But do you really have the whole world in your hands, God? Do you see me here? Do you hear me? And, and if your faith was tied to, I love him because of what he does for me, at that point your faith is gone. But you have to attach your faith to loving God because of who he is, not because of just what he does. We understand that he is creative. We understand that he is all-powerful. Sometimes our afflictions are, are due to our own stupidity. And I have a beautiful example of this because I have an ear infection right now. And my doctor told me a year ago, you don't stop wearing those earbuds for eight hours a day when you're at work. You're gonna get an ear infection. <laughs> and it's easy for me to, to have a rough night because I can't sleep on this ear because it hurts so bad. And just being in pain and not getting much rest as it is. And, and, to, and to start asking, oh God, can you just heal my ear? Decisions have consequences. And, and sometimes we create our own infirmities. Let's all stand. But just because God isn't doing things our way doesn't make him any less of a creator. Amen. And the creation that he makes isn't always in the physical sense. My sister Rebecca was in her van with her family, I think it was about two years ago, and she was driving down the road, and there's a car coming in her lane. Head on. And by the time she like, really realized what was going on, all she had time to do was say Jesus. And the way she tells the story, because I wasn't there, was that she felt the shadow of that car fall on her in the van. And then as quickly as the car was in front of her, it disappeared. And she looks in her rearview mirror, and it's still in her lane, but it's behind her. Mm. God has the power to work miracles. Amen. He has the power to do this stuff. And just because he's not doing things, we have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, true. Back in 2015, I got laid off from my job. For, for just the, the, just the slowest the company had been in 25 years. And I walked out of there. It was a 12, I'm making $12 an hour. And back in those days, I was... That was some pretty good money. And I was like, God, why? But not nine days later, I was back in a job at 1402. And why they had to round it up to 02, I don't know, but I wasn't fighting over an extra two cents. <laughs> <laughs> I never complain when people overpay me. <laughs> but, but I left this, this, this $12 an hour job going, God, why would you take that from me? Why would you let that fall apart? I'm going into my last year of college. I want to graduate debt-free. And then I get into this $14 an hour job. Okay, God, I see what you're doing. I was there for nine days, and they let me go. So back to the drawing board. I was like, God, what are we doing here? And... I was unemployed for 10 weeks. But during those 10 weeks, every week I found an odd and end job that I could do. 
and I was I paid all of my bills and I had ten dollars left every week for for all my I was able to pay all my expenses and have ten dollars left every week to put some gas in my car so I could go do whatever adventures I did the next week. We don't always understand why God does what he does. We don't always understand why things are going the way they're going. But we just have to understand that he knows what he's doing. He does have the power of creation. I get through those 10 weeks of being unemployed, having an extra $10 a week that I'd used to put gas in my car so I could get myself to wherever I needed to go. And I had just started my new job. I hadn't even gotten my first paycheck yet, I don't think. I'd maybe just got, actually, I got my paycheck on Friday because this was Sunday now. I went grocery shopping, I get out to my car, go to start my car, turn the key, it's not even clicking. I don't, I don't think it was clicking. The starter had gone now. I had just gotten back on my feet, just gotten a good job, and I just sat in that parking lot and I started crying. And I was like, God, why? Why, after all of this, after 10 weeks of being unemployed, I've seen you pay all my bills. Why? And, and the thought hit me so hard that my starter could have gone out any time in the past 10 weeks. But God took care of my car and provided for my needs for where I was at. I was asking the wrong question. I was asking, why is my starter going out now? Or why is my starter going out instead of, why did it take it this long? Sometimes we get that question a little bit backwards. God was providing for me for 10 weeks, and I missed it. Musicians want to come as I wrap this year up. This is uni. The prefix uni means one, like a unicycle, or being in unity, or unified. It's singular. It means one. And verse is a line of composition. So you take a uni verse and smash those two words together. And you get a single line of composition. You get a sentence. Our universe is one sentence. Let there be. I don't know if that's coincidence. I don't know if that's God just flexing in the background, but I do know it's just a fact. <laughs> that universe means spoken composition or a single sentence. Psalms 8.3 says, When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. That ordained means placed specifically. He placed the moon and stars specifically in the universe. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew in me a right spirit. God created and breathed the breath of life into Adam. Our, our mere existence is a, is a display of God's creative power. And I'm bringing back to Genesis 1.1 again because I'm, I'm on this verse lately. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth so I want to take some time this morning to pray. And as we pray, do some self-evaluation if you've put everything in God's hands. Do you trust God with every one of your problems? 1 Peter 5, 6-7 says, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
casting all your care on him for he cares for you. It's juxtaposing the casting your cares upon him to humbling yourself. You have to humble yourself and admit that you can't do it all yourself. And as you humble yourself, you hand your problems to God and let him take care of you. So let's take some time to pray this morning and to really reflect and ask God if we've placed everything in our lives in his trust and in his care. Or if we are trying to fight our own battles, if we're trying to handle our own problems. If we're trying to create our own solutions instead of allowing God to deal with things in his time. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today, oh God. God, I ask that you guide my steps, oh Lord. Let them be ordered of you, oh Lord. Hallelujah.